Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky Athletics on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. We are going to be recapping Kentucky's big win on the road over Florida. Going to talk about some of the rotational things Cal Party decided to not do uh, essentially in this game. Going to talk a little bit about the scene there down in Gainesville. And then most importantly, we're going to talk about Chris Livingston and his value to the Kentucky Wildcats, not just this season, but next season as well. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. We want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And if you're watching live with us on YouTube, would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the show, trying to get to 3,500 subs before the end of the college basketball season. So let's go ahead and get into it. Kentucky with a big win on the road over Florida, 82-74 to was the final score. Colin Castleton, the big center for the Gators, was not available in this game, so they had to do a little bit of mixing and matching uh, down low. And we talked about this with Tristan Ferris uh, of a uh, Sea of Blue and Kentucky Insider previewing this matchup just a couple of days ago. We discussed Oscar Shibway and the way that he may attack the Florida Gators front court in this one. And past Castleton, I do believe that Florida does have quite a bit of size. Jason Gibbito was actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 300 plus pounds uh, in the front court for them. But we felt, Tristan and I felt, that Kentucky was going to have their way down low and Shibway was going to be able to score quite a bit of points. And sure enough, he did. At the end of the game, he finished with 25 points on 12 of 13 shooting, uh, which is really, really impressive stuff in 38 minutes. Didn't have a ton of rebounds, only had four. We're going to get to where those rebounds went in a second. I'm going to talk about Chris Livingston later on in the show. I think the thing we need to get to past Oscar Shibway kind of being the offensive I guess driving uh, the driving force offensively for the, for Kentucky in this game is the fact that Cal continues to play a short rotation with severe severe Wheeler and CJ Frederick out. So you look at the minutes in this game. I was just as shocked as maybe some of you may be to hear the minutes in this one for the starting five. Antonio Reeves played 39 minutes. Cason Wallace played 38. Oscar Shibway played 38, Chris Livingston played 39, and Jacob Toppin played 35. I genuinely thought Adu Thiero got in for more than five minutes in this one. I thought Lance Ware played a little bit more. John Calipari has decided, in absence of a couple of Kentucky's role players, and I know Frederick at one point was a starter this season, as was Wheeler, actually, he has decided to not just shorten the bench, he has decided to almost do away with it entirely. And... Kentucky continues to rely on what is essentially their starting five to go out and win games. It's very interesting right now that that is the strategy, considering where we are at in the season. But at the same time, it works. 82 points were scored, essentially, by the starting five. Only four points came from the bench in this one for the Wildcats. And that's how it's been for a few games. 
And so it's great. It's great now. Kentucky's won nine out of their last twelve, not playing a deep bench. I mean, they they Cal and rarely does, but it's essentially non-existent right now. They're winning games, but I think the question we have to ask is how much longer can Kentucky afford to do this? How sustainable is it to have your starting five out there for the entire game? I mean, pretty much. I, I mean, that there's no other way to put it. That's what it is. And I'm not going to sit here and say, if Kentucky continues to do this, they will fall apart. I'm also not going to sit here and say, if C.J. Frederick and Severe Wheeler return to the team the team is going to get a significant boost from their play. What they do individually. I had somebody on Twitter tell me earlier that my takes were horrendous, first of all. But second of all, he didn't ever want to see C.J. Frederick back in the starting five. Even though, in a tweet that I put out, I didn't say anything about Severe Wheeler or C.J. Frederick returning to the starting five. I think it's valuable that those guys come back to the bench because I think Severe Wheeler, first of all, fits better in a spark plug role. And then I think C.J. Frederick needs to provide depth to this team so that it gives guys like Antonio Reeves and Kaysen Wallace a chance to breathe at points. I'm not asking for C.J. Frederick to come in and put up eight shots a game. I actually agree with the person that tweeted at me. I don't want to see him shoot either. But I need to see somebody get in there so that this team does not lose fatigue or become fatigued here in March. That's what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to peak in March. And right now, it feels like the Wildcats, even John Calipari said enough himself. He said that he believes the Wildcats can only get so much better. Confidence can probably get a 10% boost, but everywhere else, it's probably marginal improvement. I think the Wildcats have kind of hit their peak. It's just continuing to play that brand of basketball, the brand of basketball that Kentucky has established moving forward. And a lot of that does have to do with what this starting five does offensively. Defensively, they're not going to get much out of them. I mean, that's straightforward. Kentucky is one of the one of the one of the um, bottom half, I guess I would say, defenses in the SEC. I don't want to say that they're flat out the worst um, because Missouri does, in fact, exist. I mean, but you look at defensive efficiency right now, and Kentucky is yeah, they're ninth in the SEC, ninth in the SEC in conference only defense. They've just not been great. So far this season. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what this rotation looks like when Frederick and Wheeler supposedly return. I mean, I expect them to come back at some point this season. I don't think that a back strain or or an ankle injury keeps you out for a month. Does it? I don't know. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. I don't know if Kentucky's, if there's things going on in this locker room that we don't know about, and I'm not suggesting anything is going on. I'm saying it's just interesting that you've got, you know, what was your starting point guard the entire season last year and what was, what is one of your supposed shooters and they just are gone for what is coming up on a month now. And um, I, I don't know what Kentucky's plan with them is. Again, I want to reiterate, they're winning. Like, like don't get me wrong, they are winning. They beat Florida and at, at one point in the first half, it looked like they were going to beat them handily. Florida obviously all of a sudden discovered the fact that they can, in fact, shoot the three when they want to, and they started uh, hitting those at a high clip, particularly uh, Riley uh, Kugel, I believe is his name, was four of six from beyond the arc, 24 points in this one, uh, 16 points from Kwase Reeves. 
uh, off the bench. Very explosive in this game. Florida managed to keep this one close. I didn't really like the way that the game played out with Kentucky's short rotation. I expected the second half to be worse than what it was because of the fact that Kentucky, I think they're, like the fatigue will bite them at some point. These players will get tired. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. I really hope that that does not come in the SEC tournament. I hope that that time doesn't come in the SEC tournament. And then I think the final things I want to note here before we before we kind of move on to Kentucky needing to hold on to Chris Livingston. You've got to get the crowd under control in this one, straight up, for, for uh, Florida. There was a woman that was screaming her head off during this game. And you could hear most of what she said crystal clear. And the broadcast did absolutely nothing about it. I don't really know if they can. They didn't do anything about it. The arena sure didn't do anything about it. The officials in the arena sure didn't do anything about it. At one point, and I believe our friend Tristan Ferris actually tweeted this out, you can hear a woman say clearly whenever Cason Wallace is stepping to the line. You can hear a woman clearly call him something to the effect of like he looks like the uh, cinnamon or he looks like the cinnamon stick from the Applejack commercials, uh, which first of all, incredibly offensive. But second of all, if she's screaming stuff like that, I mean bloody murder screaming, you've got to do something. The, the the officials in that arena, I'm not saying like like the basketball officials, I'm saying like the police in that arena need to do something about that. At one point, I could hear yelling it to some player that he was ugly, which again is just not to- tolerable. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to be screaming that loud uh, like that, I, I just I think that something should have been done about that. And then also, if we're just talking about the ESPN broadcast, there was, I don't know what it was. Uh, other people, certain people on Twitter had different opinions on what it was. I don't know what was, what was true, what, what wasn't. Every single time something happened, there was some banging of a chair or something. I mean, it was right near the microphones for the play-by-play and color analyst for the night. And it was unbearable. It was the entire game. You got to get stuff like that under control. I guess that's what happens whenever you're dealing with a 14 and 14 team that's just kind of lost all hope on the season. You get people like that coming to the arena that just don't care. Oh, and also, I mean, how how could we forget Case and Wallace getting hugged on the sideline, trying to get through on a fast break? You know, two fans get thrown out of the arena because they're holding it. I mean, it was just, it was it was collectively ridiculous, collectively ridiculous. All right, I want to talk a little bit more about Chris Livingston in depth. A lot of people are talking about what he could be next season. I want to talk about him right now. I want to talk about what he's doing right now for the Wildcats. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drained, assists, all that good stuff. They've got player props, like I mentioned, assists, rebounds, points, etc. And they've got so many more exclusive bets. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So, don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. 
That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate those who are watching live with us on YouTube right now. If you are not subscribed to the channel already, please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcast, post live, really appreciate it if you followed along there and left a five-star review wherever you are listening. If you have any questions in the chat, by the way, I am more uh, than willing to answer them if you would like me to. So, Kentucky obviously picked up a big win on the road against Florida. You would expect in this situation for Oscar Shibway having gone for 25 points on 12 of 13 shooting. I mean, it is the most efficient. I think it actually is, from a field goal percentage perspective, the most efficient outing with that many attempts that any Kentucky player has had at least since 2000. At least since 2000. At least that's what I saw potentially uh, on ESPN. Hey, Clinton chat. Super excited. Just caught you live. Pausing work at midnight. Clint, really appreciate you, man. Um, I actually, just very random, I think that your shirt actually just got here. Not like not where I'm at, but but I think the shirt that you sent me just got here. So I will be, if I can, be wearing it on tomorrow's show. So uh, everybody look forward to that. Um, really appreciate Clint. He's been a subscriber for a long time and um, been a very, very good chatter uh, and commenter uh, for quite some time. Really appreciate you catching this live. So... I lost my train of thought. Daggum. So Chris Livingston, heading into this final stretch of the season, has looked phenomenal. From a shooting standpoint, he's not been elite, but he's been good. I mean, he has just been flat out good. But what has really carried him over has been the rebounding. For two games in a row now, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, Chris Livingston has out-rebounded Oscar Shibway, and last night it was not even close. Oscar Shibway, 12 of 13, like I mentioned, only four rebounds. Chris Livingston had 15. He had 10 points, 15 rebounds. 11 of them were defensive, four of them were offensive, and that fourth offensive, re- excuse me, that fourth offensive rebound was massive. It was, uh, it was off of, I don't remember who shot it and missed. It might have been Wallace. But somebody shot it and missed late in this game. Kentucky was up by either one or two. And then Chris Livingston skied in, came across from the left side, skied in, grabbed the board, tipped it back in while he's in midair and got fouled. Just so much hard work and effort. And you love to see that out of your, out of your freshman. It's a different circumstance for Kentucky because most of their guys do step out and they do graduate or excuse me, they they don't graduate is what I meant to say, and they move on to the NBA. A lot of one-and-dones here. But with Livingston, there's a legitimate chance that he comes back next season. And I just want to sit here and say what everybody else has been saying, which is if you get Chris Livingston back as your three next year, this kid could be an All-American. I mean, flat out. He's playing at that level right now. He's doing everything you want your, your middleman to do. He's getting the minutes. He's he's playing very well on defense. He's just playing physical, hardball. This is what was prescribed to us in the offseason, right? Whenever we were talking about Chris Livingston. I'm excited to see what he looks like next year, potentially behind Justin Edwards or working with Justin Edwards uh, for, the, for this team next year. But like I said a minute ago, I want to talk about what he's doing right now. According to Sports Reference, which is the site I like to go to fairly often, Since the Kansas game, 
Chris Livingston is averaging almost 10 points a game. He is averaging one assist, half a block, six rebounds, 1.8 of those being offensive rebounds. He's shooting 70% from the foul line, 31% from three, and 63% from inside the arc. So that's a field goal percentage of 53.8. I mean, he's doing what you need him to do, straight up. And he's excelling. And he's playing hot right now. And boy, wouldn't you know it, we talked about it a second ago, it's about to be March. You need this kid to continue to perform at the level that he's playing at if you want a legitimate shot at making the tournament and then knocking off a higher seed. Because at this point, the reality is simple. Kentucky's going to get into the NCAA tournament. They are. Simply going to happen. But they have to find their way into the tournament, I think, a little bit deeper than they are right now rotationally, and then shooting the ball a little bit better than they are right now. When they go to match up against one of these first-round teams, the round of 64, it's going to be, I think, important that Kentucky finds themselves against either a cold shooting team or a team that does that is more finesse than physicality. Because the reality of the situation is, if Kentucky doesn't win out and they find themselves as a 6 or a 5 seed, they're going to be playing against a 2 or a 1. And we talked about this with Tristan Ferris on the most recent episode. Kentucky's going to find themselves in a situation where, from a matchup perspective, it's going to be a dogfight. And I think height in the front court and physicality in the front court uh, gets brought into question. You have to consider the defense that Kentucky's playing on the wing right now. It's just not great as a whole. Um, You have to find a way to get guys like Chris Livingston continuing to to play as as they have been. And I'm not quite sure what Kentucky's going to do other than continue to feed him the minutes because that seems like it's kind of been the answer. Um, But props to Chris Livingston for playing so hard and, and playing so well here over these uh, these last eight or so games. Also, I think that when you're looking at next season, potentially him returning, it's great that Coach Cal tweeted out earlier, and I'll quote this directly, our entire team just signed an NIL deal with a national advertiser, and Jacob and Chris just each signed their own NIL deals for nationwide campaigns. That is the Kentucky effect. And he posted all that along with a picture of Jacob Toppin and Chris Livingston. You want to see... Livingston continue to thrive this year, but you also want to see him return next year. So I think that there's a balance between like him deciding after playing so well to end the year, which is I'm projecting here. If he does end up playing so well to end the year, does he declare for the draft? Where does he find himself on draft boards? It's going to be interesting to talk about whenever that rolls around. Does he decide to come back, earn a little bit more money with NIL before he takes the jump? Because this is not like this is not an Oscar Shibway situation from last year, clear, clearly. And this is no knock on Shibway. It's about how you translate. You can be a very talented player, but not translate to the next level. Livingston's going to translate. He shoots the ball well. He's one of the better shooters on this team at about 35.5% from three. That's good. He's one of the better free throw shooters on this team. He's becoming one of the better rebounders on this team as well. I mean, he's just, he is what we projected him to be in the offseason. He's the glue guy. He is the glue guy. You want to have him around for one more year, especially 
when you look ahead and see this five-star class coming in. Every Kentucky team needs that guy. I know that we always like to talk about, you know, the high-profile recruits, getting all of those guys, and that's great. You need those, right? You need them. But you always got to have that extra guy. You always got to have that extra glue guy to kind of keep things going. So Chris Livingston, thrilled to see him playing well right now. Intrigued to see how he finishes strong, if he finishes strong, rather, I should say. And I'm very curious to see what this offseason brings him. Because as of right now, he's looking like a very, very valuable returnee if he does elect to come back. So, those are my thoughts for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hey, really appreciate everybody tuning in live. I have a question for you guys. And I want to, and if you watch to this point, then I, I can only assume the answer to this question is yes. So, the SEC tournament is coming up and the NCAA is turning, uh, tournament is coming up. I'm thinking about streaming on YouTube just either a watch party for Selection Sunday and the SEC tournament, and I'm also considering streaming to do a bracket pool for all of us to submit brackets and for all of us to, um, to, to run through a bracket to collectively, and it'd be the Locked On Kentucky bracket. So if that's something you would be interested in, Leave a YouTube comment below. I want to try and set that up. I think that would be a lot of fun uh, for everybody involved. I, I didn't realize how many people were actually interacting on podcasts and on YouTube. <laughs> After, and now that I've been going live, I think it's been kind of fun just to kind of see that. So, again, really appreciate you guys watching. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram that is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.